This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome, friends, to another r slash nuclear revenge video. Today, we've got some crazy stories like this one from Ghost of a Sociopath, my personal crusade against the men who destroyed the person I could have become. So this is the story of what made me the sociopath that some of you are familiar with through reading my multiple nuclear revenge stories. It's a long story about my early childhood, some of which I remember, and some I was told by my older sister and mother. Then, my revenge against the people who were responsible. I've been debating whether or not to post this due to the criminal behavior, and it's also a hard story to read. But I've had some interesting experiences with the aftermath of posts that I've made here, so let's get to it. I had a horrible childhood with no father around, and my mother left me alone for most of my childhood. Around the time I was six, my mother started dating a man we'll call Tom, short of stepfather. And Tom had a son that was 10 years older than me, we'll call him Jerry, short for stepbrother. At first, everything was fine until they were married and we moved into a house together. It started with my mom and Tom arguing almost every day, and after every argument when I was alone with Tom, he would tell me how much of a witch my mom was, and this progressed to hitting the crap out of me, then telling me that if I said anything, he would end me and my mother. So every black eye, every bruise, and once he broke my right elbow were all explained away with clumsiness and fights at school. He would say in passing, don't take any wooden nickels this will become relevant later. This went on for years, until one day that I completely blocked out of my memory and my older sister had told me this part, my mom had said she was going to leave Tom this particular morning. So when I got home from school that afternoon, this is the scene my sister came home to. I was sitting on the couch motionless with a completely blank face, while Tom had a gun pressed to my forehead and my mom, who was coming in right behind my sister, was frantically trying to talk him down from, well, ending my existence. We got away from him eventually, and that's what Tom had done to me, but to be completely honest, it wasn't the worst part about my childhood. I'm going to keep this part short, there's no reason to get into specifics with this part of my life. As I said, Tom had a son 10 years older than me, Jerry was a predator. And how do I know this? Well, there's no easy way to say this. So Jerry started doing things when I was seven almost every time he'd stayed at our house. Obviously he lived with his mother. He'd sneak into my room and you get the idea. It of course dissolved all of what made me feel. Fun fact about Jerry was he was really active in his church and was on his way to becoming a pastor, but he became a teacher instead. So let's jump ahead about 10 years. At this point, I'm on every substance known, I've been in and out of halfway houses and being homeless and living in my car. It had been a long time since I'd even thought about Tom and Jerry, till I was at a park across the street from a governmental office that handles stuff like welfare and other things in that vein. When I see a big white truck with the name of Tom's company on the side, he owned a small general contracting company, so I took off after it on foot, and sure enough, it was him obviously picking up day laborers just like he used to do when I was a kid. 
Suddenly, a dam broke in my brain. Everything I lived through, everything Tom and Jerry had done to me, came rushing into focus in my mind. And I felt. I felt rage and my path became clear. I was going to destroy Tom and Jerry. My revenge? I'll be tweaking the timeline, some of the injuries, and some of the dialogue to keep anonymous. And who knows, maybe I've made it all up. Part 1. Tom I'll start this with saying, isn't the internet great? I wrote down his phone number off the side of his truck. I immediately found out where he lived, and it just so happened to be the same crap hole house where all of my nightmares take place. I'll spare you the tedious details of stalking Tom and casing Tom's house. So, as a kid, I spent a lot of time in that house. I knew everything there was to know about it, and to my delight, Tom had done absolutely nothing to the home in the whole 10 years since I lived there. So while following him, he led me right to the home of my second target, and I can't tell you how many hours I put into my logbook of both Tom and Jerry's routine. The night I was waiting for had arrived. I broke into his house. Not the first time I did, I made sure to find his gun and to make sure he had no other weapons at his disposal. He had passed out drunk on the couch, the same freaking one he had when I lived there, so I walked through the home making sure there were no possible ways for us to be interrupted. The stage was set. I pulled up a chair, and this is some of what followed. For obvious reasons, I'm not going to post what was actually said, but you can rest assured that you'll have the meat of my fun little play. Side note, the house is in an area I'd call Urban Desert, and the area is really bad off. You can hear gunfire every night and sirens all night long. It's been like that since I was a kid, and it's gotten worse. In Tom's living room, me sitting on a dining room chair pulled up in front of his couch, I'm holding up Tom's gun fully loaded pointed at his forehead. I slap Tom, he sits up rubbing the side of his face, looks up at me and jumps. He says, what are... I hit him with the butt of his gun. This is important, remember, I have his gun. I shove a balled up sock in his mouth and say, you're only going to talk when I ask you to talk, and when you do, you're going to talk in a regular tone. If you yell, you might not see tomorrow. Do you understand? Tom nods yes. I say take the gag out. Tom does what he's told and says what? I punch him in the ribs and say, I didn't say you could talk, but I'm going to let you ask me three questions. Okay, go ahead. Tom said, what are you doing here? I said, this, hitting him in the same spot. Tom says, if you want money, I don't have any. I hit him in the face and say, that wasn't a question. And I know, Tom, you have no money. That's not why I'm here. Go ahead, ask me a question. Tom says, what do you want? I say, for you to be in pain, of course, and you know that you deserve it. Now stand up. Tom starts crying and slowly getting to his feet. Side note, when I was a kid, he looked massive and always scared me even when he wasn't being abusive, but now I tower over him by 8 inches and outweigh him by at least 80 pounds. Me getting darker said, why are you crying like a little witch? Then I slapped Tom again and said, do you think that I'm going to end you? Tom nods yes. I say, well I haven't decided whether or not to end your life yet. Then I started with the real hurting. I burst one of his eardrums, broke his nose, his arm, and elbow. This was a somewhat long process. It could have been two or three hours. I said, well, Tom, I'm going to be leaving now, and if you call the police in less than six hours, I'm going to end Jerry. Then I told him everything that I know about Jerry, from his address to his workplace, Jerry's fiancé's name, and even Jerry's mom's name. I say, remember, don't take any wooden nickels. 
Then I hit him as hard as I could and knocked him out and slipped out the same way I came in. This is the end of part one, and if you think this is bad, remember, physical wounds can heal. What I do to Jerry is a life-destroying without actually ending him. So if you guys thought that story was insane, make sure to hit those like and subscribe buttons down below so you never miss my daily uploads where we cover a lot of crazy stories like this. That said, I know it's bad etiquette to judge whether a story's real or not, but do you guys think this actually happened? Let me know what you guys think in the comments down below. We pick up again with Ghost of a Sociopath with Part 2. So, at this point, I've completed my revenge against Tom, Jerry's dad, and I've completely tracked everything Jerry does and everything Jerry's involved in. So what did I want to take from Jerry? I wrote a list, other than just life gone. One, his job. As I said, he became a teacher at an elementary school, and in my opinion, that needed to end. Two, his relationships. At that point in my life, I hadn't had any resemblance of what a real relationship is in my life. 3. His reputation with his family and his church. 4. His physical ability. I needed to show him that I was now able to destroy him with very little effort. 5. His freedom. He's locked me in a cage that has no key. First, his job. I made an anonymous phone call to the school he worked at, posing as an older brother of a student in his class and said a few things that I had researched. Now, of course, a random phone call isn't going to get him fired, so I let this one go for the time being. Second, his relationships. This was in the form of a letter left on Jerry's fiancé's car with the truth and an idea for her to not just take my word for it, but go on his PC at home. Now, if you know absolutely anything about predators, you know that they always keep incriminating evidence in their stuff. Well, I don't know what she found, but Jerry was staying at Tom's house less than a week after the note. Well, the final part of my revenge came only a few days after those two parts. So as you might expect, I'd been following Jerry for a while now, and he used to go out with a few friends from his church to the same bar almost every weekend. So now was my time to show him my face for the first time in over a decade. Except this time I stood face to face with Jerry. I was no longer a small child, so I waited for the perfect night, a night that had a large number of people from his church and he had enough to drink to get a DUI. I didn't want him to be so drunk that he wouldn't be able to put up a good fight. Here we go. I walk into the bar and start staring at Jerry until he noticed me. I could tell he had no clue who I was. I started talking loud enough to be heard clearly by him and his friends. I said, hi Jerry. I used his full name and said, how have you been? Jerry says, do I know you? I say, yes, yes you do. How could you forget about your little stepbrother? The one you preyed upon over and over again when I was seven years old? How about we have a talk outside, just the two of us? Or we can talk about how you're a predator in here in front of all your friends. I turn around and walk outside, and the freaking idiot actually followed me. To be honest, I thought it was going to be harder than that to get him outside. I did not let him say one word. As soon as we were back out of the bar, I started dealing damage to Jerry and he had no chance against me. I beat him soundly. Then when his friends came out, I told them everything Jerry was and everything Jerry's dad Tom was and who I was. And as if my luck wasn't good enough, one of the men that was there remembered me from when I was forced to go to church with Jerry and I was believed for the first time in my life. Someone believed me. 
Jerry, once he had gained his composure, which took a while, jumped into his car and started the 45-minute drive to his dad's house. Then I made the phone call to the police and said there was a man driving under the influence and gave them his license plate number. Let me guess you're all thinking, wow, Opie, a DUI, that's it. No, dear readers, it's not just a DUI. Jerry just happened to be in possession of a stolen firearm that was stolen during a terrible B&E just a few weeks before that put one man in the hospital for two or three weeks. Good night. Needless to say, OP is bloodthirsty and out for revenge, and it's all going to be wrapped up here with our next story in part three of my personal crusade against the men that destroyed the person I could have become. So at the end of part two, Jerry was getting arrested for a DUI and being in possession of a stolen firearm. Well, Jerry was in the county lockup. Side note, you might be aware of the fact that I had a pretty serious substance habit. I made most of my money in those days by buying and selling them, and because of that, I had a few acquaintances in the same jail, and just for a few bucks to be put on some of their books, I was made aware of all of Jerry's info. So it turned out that Jerry had a pretty solid alibi for the night of the B&E at Tom's house, and all he was going to be charged with was DUI and possession of a stolen firearm. At first, I'm not done yet. I watched Jerry's house closely. In less than a week after his arrest, his ex-fiancee moved out of Jerry's house. So since nobody's home, I gained access to it. The first thing I found was a note to Jerry from his ex. It was a long note with her describing what she'd found and how disgusting it was and calling Jerry every name in the book, also stating that if he tries to contact her at all, she will go to the police with what she found. Side note, I was absolutely appalled that she wasn't already going to the police. So I went through the whole place and found a few items that would fetch a good amount of money and some money. I found his office and PC and disabled the screensaver and sleep mode and then found an image, opened it and left it on his screen. I wish I didn't have to see the image, it gave me terrible flashbacks but it was necessary for my plan. Then I left a note behind right next to the one left by Jerry's ex. Then left, and when I was a safe distance from the house, I made a phone call to the police. I told them that I think someone's broken into my neighbor's house, Jerry's house. This is what was on the note that I left behind. Of course, for anonymity's sake, it's not exactly what I wrote. Dear police, I'm the person who called in the tip. I did this because of the horrifying things I found on the PC in the office. I left it open on the desktop so you don't even have to touch it. From the thief. About a week later, I receive word that Jerry was moved into protective custody. After he gets out of the hospital, he got shanked by his cellmate, who I assume was trying to make his bones and I hope that he did, because Jerry had been talking openly about his new charges that were a DUI, possession of a stolen firearm, possession of inappropriate child stuff, and worse. This was pure conjecture, but I assumed that he had a video of himself on his PC. It took about 18 months for the trial to be done, and he was convicted of all charges and received 15 years. So that's the whole story. Am I done? Well, I don't know. Jerry should be getting out in a few years. Maybe I'll pay him a little visit. But maybe I made this whole thing up, so who knows. Considering the lifelong drama and turmoil, I would never advocate for what OP did, Everything your life really has been up to that point, 
all those just awful things, it's not surprising to see and you kind of understand it. I'm not saying anybody should do it, but there's a level to it you kind of just understand. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. If you haven't yet, if you could like and subscribe, that would mean a lot to me. Whatever you do, whether it's liking, subscribing, turning notifications on, all of it helps grow this channel and I appreciate the heck out of it. So until next time, I'll see you all tomorrow with some more stories. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.